And if you have your Bibles, we'll go to 1 John 3. And I just want to share this scripture with you again. In 1 John 3. As the Spirit spoke to me of preaching this message. And I feel it's so important as we get ready to go into what God has for us. 1 John 3, verse 19. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things which are pleasing in his sight. Amen. What I shared with you last week, and I did a whole message on it, and I just want to touch this today. God is looking for a people who walk in authority and dominion. And that authority and dominion comes through a people who know and their confidence is a testimony that their lives are right before Christ. Amen. You know, we talk about you can trust God. And we hear messages on faith and we believe in building our faith up. But this is what I'm seeing here about the testimony of our confidence that we read last week. That we trust God. But I believe the other side of that, does God trust us? We wonder, why am I not seeing more of the manifestation of God in my life? Why am I not seeing more of my prayers being answered? Well, the question is, is am I living according to the truth? Am I living by the truth? And is the truth really operative in my life? Am I desiring to live my life the way God has planted and desired for me too? And we saw that that word there in, in verse 19, the word assure, means to quiet or to pacify an accusing conscience. One of the things that I felt in my spirit as we get ready to go into 08 is that God does not want us going to 08 with a conscience that is belittling us, condemning us, or bringing us down. God wants us free of guilt. Can I hear an amen? amen. And you know, even, there's so many things in our subconscious. There's so many things in our conscience that we're not aware of. And maybe things we did and things maybe we have not repented of. And I believe God is calling us to these last few weeks of this year to get our heart right with God. So that we can have a conscience and a confidence that if I have the confidence to stand before God, I have a confidence to stand before the enemy. If there are people who are having trouble to have confidence speaking or standing before a man or a woman, what would you do in the presence of God? People come to church many times and hide or, or don't come to church or, or, or uh, look the other way or, or close their eyes or they don't want to be seen, they don't want to be talked they don't want to have a phone call about where have you been. They many times have the attitude, just leave me alone. And because something many times in their conscience is eating away on the inside. And it's just if you just leave me alone, then somehow I can try to find peace. But the truth is, there is no peace outside of the truth of Christ Jesus. And we can try to comfort uh, and, and change and quiet the accuser on the inside of us. But unless we're living totally for Christ, there is something on the inside of us that is eating us and accusing us. And God wants to make us free of that. Also quickly, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. I just want to go over just, just very few scriptures so we can get into where we are today. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19.
time for our conscience to be clear so that that which has been making us tremble will end up trembling before you. Can I hear an amen? Because it says here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, Having therefore, brethren, boldness. Somebody shout out boldness. boldness. Shout it out again. Boldness. boldness. To enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way, no death, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, verse 22, let us draw near with true, true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water of the word. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that hath promised. And I love the New International. It says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled and cleansed from a guilty conscience. How many want to be free from a guilty conscience? How many want to be able to wake up in the morning or go to bed at night? And as we said before, there was somebody who said, your conscience is your softest pillow. And we talked about the importance of sleep. But as I was meditating on that this week, I started thinking, Paul said, I am ready now to be offered. Go ahead and cut my head off. Go ahead and kill this body. You are just doing me a favor because absent from the body, I'm going to be present with the Lord. Paul wasn't screaming and hollering when they were bringing him to have his head removed. He was going, I'm on my way to heaven. In fact, they say they recorded that when they removed Paul's head, that he ran over 20 feet. His body took off and ran 20 feet before it fell down. That's what they have written. It's not in the Word, but with knowing Paul, I'll believe it. How can you stop a man of God? How can you stop a woman of God who's got a clear conscience? Do what you want to to this body, but you can't do it to my spirit. Say what you can, but I am shielded in the armor of God and covered by the blood of Christ. And I have the boldness to enter into the holiest of God. So if you go ahead and kill this body, I'm just going to be right into glory. I have the complete confidence about it in John the Baptist. Preaching to the modern day politicians. You're in adultery. You're in sin. You're living a life you know you're not supposed to. And when it came time to remove his head, he was ready to go. Why? His conscience was clear. He had done what Christ has called him to do. And as we get ready to go into 08, we've got to have that type of boldness and that type of heart and that type of spirit that no matter what has held me back in 07, it will not hold me back in 08 in the name of Jesus. Can I hear an amen, church? Quickly, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 11. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians. Did I say first? I said second? Wow. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11. As you help us by your prayers that many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of men. Verse 12, look at this. Now this is our boast. Our conscience testifies. How do you know our mouth can say a lot of things, but what is our conscience saying along with our mouth? 
our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relations with you in the holiness and sincerity that are from God. Verse 15. Because I was confident of this, I plan to visit you so that you may benefit twice. Are we ready to amplify the Bible? This is my assurance that you will have double favor. How many want to receive double favor for this next year? Amen. My conscience testifies when I stand upon the Word of God and I believe what God is telling me, no matter what circumstances say, I believe that God is telling what God is telling me is truth. And my conscience testifies that I can go ahead and keep believing God because there is nothing in my background that can keep me from standing hedged in the glory of God. When I stand before God and ask Him to do something for me, my conscience does not condemn me or does not convict me that I have not walked according to His Word and to the integrity of His heart in my heart because I can stand before God and can ask anything according to His will because I have the full assurance that I have lived to all of His grace and my ability to live to the perfect will of God. Amen. Now we saw in 1 Timothy 4 last week about a steered conscience and about God. Helping us renounce those things that has been holding us back. Look with me in Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5. Verse 21. Proverbs 5 verse 21 says... For a man's ways are in full view of the Lord. For a man's ways are in full view of the Lord. And he examines all of his paths. The evil deeds of a wicked man will ensnare him. The cords of his sin hold him fast. He will die for lack of discipline. Led astray by his own great folly. How many know I thank God for a conscience? I thank God that conscience is a form of the voice of God to speak of me. And you know, conscience is like this. My conscience tells me that I know I'm doing wrong. And my conscience, a strong conscience, tells me you're not going to have fun while you're doing it. A lot of people say, you know, when I got saved, my life got so bored. Well, I don't know. All I know is that when I got saved and filled the Holy Ghost, my life got great. Who wants to drink away your sorrows? Who wants to fly this way when you can fly in the Spirit? Amen? All I know is that God wants to cleanse and free His people from a guilty conscience. And you know, when we got born again, we got a new conscience. And I was thinking about my kids, and I was thinking about, I don't know about y'all, but I remember I was in second or third grade when, when I said a cuss word on the bus. And we lived in a country town called Evangeline outside of Jennings. That everybody knew everybody. And the bus driver knew my mama. And I said my first bad word in second or third grade. And uh, one of my friends, Kevin, went and told the bus driver what I said. And he kept me on the bus afterwards. And he says, Russell, did you say this? I said, yes, sir. He says, I guess you want me to tell your mama. Oh, no. no I don't want you to tell my mama. How many know when we were small, we didn't curse in front of mama, did we? How many of you ever had to eat ivory soap? Boy, my mama was good about making me eat ivory soap. And if she didn't have ivory soap around, I almost ate my teeth. 
Because if you're going to say something you're not supposed to, you're going to eat soap. Go to the bathroom, boy. Boy, put that soap. Sometimes she'd rub your tongue. Sometimes she just put it in there and just, you just had to keep it in there until she said you can take it out. Did y'all ever go through that? And so I remember when I, I, I did that, you know, I wouldn't dare cuss in front of my mom and then, or my dad. Or, you know, you, your conscience tells you, you know, not to be doing this. I remember when the kids were small, you'd be telling, you know, Lance was real bad about climbing up on top of something and turning the water on and just leaving the water on. Or when your kids were small and you were trying to train them not to touch something and they had this, as their hand would go out, their eyes would go at you. <laughs> Y'all remember that? And, and all three of them were so good. They're, they're, I mean, it was like there was a string attached. Even at that age, their conscience was telling them, now I've been told not to do this. And I know that there's going to be a penalty if I do it, but it was, it's just, you know, it's just, oh, I've got to grab that. I've got to touch that. I've got to do what I'm not supposed to do. And it was just something in a child. And how many know that we have to stay as a child before God? Amen. Just knowing that we've got to stay with that childlike faith, with that good conscience, not, not to do that. You know, and uh, I, I had something else here. Well, I guess that's enough examples. You start thinking, boy, you were a bad kid. <laughs> but how many know that when you start rejecting that still, small voice? How many know many times when you start doing things that there's a saying that says your conscience becomes a rubber band and your mind, your heart becomes concrete? The more we stretch our conscience, the more harder our heart gets and the more easier it is to do things. And if you don't believe me, how can it be that here in America, people are shooting people, at, kids are shooting people at malls, massacring people at schools, and kids that, you know, just seem to be from regular families, kids that you never would surprise that they were doing that, but they play these games and, and, and they get hurt and they get wounded. And because of not living a life with Christ, those wounds get bigger and bigger. And then they start imagining. And listen, you don't, have no, you don't fight anything unless you think on it. I don't have anything I've got to fight if I don't allow myself to go there and think on it. But if I go there and think on it, I'm going to end up thinking on it. I'm going to end up doing it. And these kids that are shooting and killing and the things that are happening, the conscience is being seared of killing babies just for pleasure. The things we hear on the news like this little child, this little girl they just found floating in Galveston in a box. Who would do that? How could someone stoop and do that? But yet it's the same thing. Even not that level, but even us in the church, things that we say and things we do. And how can we continue to do that? At first, we felt the guilt when we would do it or say it or think it or watch it. But then sooner or later, the guilt would get less and less. And our hearts would get harder and harder. And then we find ourselves, where, where did I mess it, miss it, God? My, my heart, I just don't hear you anymore. I don't feel you anymore. I don't sense your presence. I, I know my life is not pleasing you. And we start battling on the inside of ourselves. And how can we have faith when our conscience is condemning us and opening the door for doubt? How can I believe God is a God who hears me when I know my life's not pleasing to Him? And He says, well, I want to make it pleasing to me. Amen, church. So we want to be careful of the rubber consciences and the things that happen in our mind. Look with me, 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. I want to give you these scriptures here on the conscience. 
Because there's some great things coming this year and we have to be prepared for it. Amen. First Timothy chapter six. Something very important. First Timothy chapter six, verse three. If anyone teaches false doctrines and does not agree to sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, he is conceited and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy interest, an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words and the result And that results in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicion. And constant friction between men of corrupt minds who have been robbed of the truth, who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. Look at verse 10. For the love of... Look at verse 9. But they which be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts. Which drown, say drown, drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. That's what an evil conscience will do. It's like committing self-suicide. Man, I hate it when I do that. I hate it when I say that. I hate it that when I get with them and I end up acting like them and we keep piercing ourselves with through it many sorrows. And so we start feeling like we're getting farther and farther from God instead of getting closer and closer to Him. Now, I may not be preaching a real exciting message this morning, but I'm preaching life this morning. Because how could that, those people who call them a church and they're in a cult take two-year-old children right in our area, around here on the news, And these grown men are having sexual relationships with two-year-old girls. How can our society go to that low of a level to where life is not valued anymore? And the Word of God is not valued anymore. And I'll go to church when it's convenient, but don't tell me how to live my life. I want to live the life I want to. Where the Bible says in 1 Timothy that they have made themselves shipwrecked by having an evil conscience. By having an evil conscience, they have shipwrecked their faith. I don't have the faith to believe God for because something I did in my business, I know it was wrong and it's bothering me. Something I did with the buddies the other night, it was wrong and it's bothering me. Well, today, hallelujah, you can get it right. Amen. Ever get in a bad situation, ever say, how did it come to this? What happened? Because it made themselves shipwrecked in many sorrows. There's a scripture I wanted to share with you. In Timothy, look at me and uh, give me just a moment here. Look at me, First Timothy, chapter four. Now the Spirit, verse 1 says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, 
giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Things don't bother anymore. It's okay to vote for somebody who believes in killing babies for convenience. It's okay to look the other way because a man is committing adultery in the White House as long as the economy is strong. It's okay to do this. It's okay to say that. Go. It's okay to go to those type of movies and have those type of movies come into our home because nobody sees. But we read in Proverbs that it says a man's ways is seen and weighed by God. Amen, Amen church. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 19. Holding faith and a good conscience. Say a good conscience. Holding faith. And so many just, oh, it's all about faith. No, no, no. Holding faith and a good conscience, which some have put away concerning faith, had made shipwreck. They just don't have the faith anymore. They just don't know what they believe. Look at verse 20. Paul talks about two people whom I've delivered unto Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. Now listen, one thing I want to say about this. Don't you dare ever give it. Uh, don't you, it takes somebody in a special position and led by the Holy Spirit to ever deliver somebody over to Satan. I'll say right now, we do not believe in cursing people who leave this church. We do not. I, it is not in my place to judge. It's between God and that person, but not me. And we must be very careful because some people will just deliver that person to Satan. I have never done it in my ministry and I will not do it unless God particularly says to. But we've got to be very careful. We'll just leave it in God's hand. But let, let me tell you this though. We give things and we give people over to God, but it's up to God whether we give them in His hands or He, deli- he removes His covering and they end up being on the co- uh, in the hands of the enemy. You do not want to be released from underneath a covering. You do not want an out-of-body experience. Or in other words, you do not want to leave a church and just be by yourself without a covering. You want, you need a covering. But many have made themselves shipwrecked and they have lived their own lives the way they decide to. And they wanted to and Paul had to give them over. Why? Because the Word of God speaks of hypocrisies and lies. Not living in the truth. How many of you know that God knows when we're real? The devil knows when we're real too. That's why the seven sons of Sceva couldn't cast out devils because the devil, devils knew they weren't real. And what we're going to be walking in and what we're going to be doing in this next year and the years to come representing the kingdom of God here on this earth, we're going to have to have our consciences cleared to where we're going to be able to speak to the enemy. We're going to better speak it to the mountains. We're going to better tr- transform areas and, and see things happen because we will have our conscience cleared because we know that judgment begins at first in the house of God and that God wants His altar and God wants his people holy. He wants his people pure. God wants his people walking in holiness and purity of heart and that we're not living a life when we one way in the church and another way in the home. God wants his bride without spot and wrinkle. Amen, church. And the devil loves hypocrites. You know what the devil, one of the devil's favorite songs is? The Great Pretender. He loves that song. The great pretender. Why? Pretending to be one way, but the heart really isn't that way. And the devil loves those type of people, and God 
does he just it it just is sketching his nostrils. Satan vexes the spirit when we open the doors to sin and we open the doors to the enemy. Look with me in Genesis chapter eleven. Let me give you an example here. That he's sly and he comes in and you know the church was filled with people after nine eleven. But then when things settled down, they were gone. You would think after the great flood and everybody was killed but Noah and those seven righteous, you would think that the people would still be serving God just a few years afterwards, but they were already doing human sacrifices. It's so easy to fall back or to go into things in our natural minds or in our flesh, it brings us destruction. And it shows us here in Genesis chapter 11, verse 4. And they said, Go, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach into the heaven, and let us make us a name. Let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men built. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begun to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Let us go down and there and confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad upon the face of all the earth, and, and, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language and all the earth. From thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Why do you want to say with this? Nimrod was the king of Babylon. It says that he killed his dad and married his mom and started this occult. He was called, you can read in Genesis, I believe chapter 6, it says he was called the mighty warrior. He was the first man ever to be worshipped. He would shake his fist at God and say, you are nothing, you are not God. He built this tower because he said, let us build it and let us name it. Let's build a name for ourselves. And you see, that's the thing that's happening in America. We can name and the culture, the education, the news, the TV is trying to say, we can name things, anything we want to, and it's okay. But listen, we can name it whatever we want to, but it's God that gives us its final name. You know, they're coming against, you know, there's already a church that's lost their tax exemption because the preacher was preaching against homosexuality. We're living a time this coming year. We don't know what will happen in the area of tax exemption. We don't know what will happen as far as pastors being put in prison for calling sin, sin. But people can call it, you know, just call it a simple name, but God calls it sin. Well, you know, we're just learning to if we can get along. So we're just going to live together. God says it's fornication, it's adultery, and it's sin. Well, you know, I'm just telling a little white lie because if I tell the truth, I'm going to end up losing my job. Well, why don't you just have your conscience clear and have your faith strong and believe God that if you lose your job, He'll give you a better job, but you will not bound to the place of lying. Amen. Well, you know... You know, the world just calls it, you know, you know, it's just the world calls it entertainment. And God says it's filth. It's sewage. The world will name it what it wants to. And the word Babel means confusion. 
And so many people, even in the church, because of not staying and living according to the Word of God, are confused. And now parents are crying out, pray for my child. He don't know if he wants to, if, if he's a boy or a girl. Pray for my daughter. She don't know if she's a girl or a boy. Pray for my marriage. Pray for my husband. Pray for my wife. Pray for my job. Always, always confused. What am I supposed to do? Live according to the Word of God. And it says, he who has a clear conscience will have double favor, double benefits, double blessing. Don't allow this world to name something differently than what God has already named it in His Word. Well, you know, the Constitution of the United States was written by some men of another time. It was written by the Almighty God who does not change. This was not some thoughts of men. This was the heart of God for this nation to be a nation under God. And this is the church of Jesus Christ. And one can go and do different things, but he says the problem with seducing spirits and in the end times that many people, because of their conscience and their hearts will be hard, they will find themselves doing things against God and they won't even give God the second chance or the second thought. This is my life and I'll live my life according to the way I want to live it. Conscience sincered. My conscience, just quiet down. This is my life. I want to live the life I want to live. Babel means double-mindedness. In Genesis chapter 6, you can see where the demons lusted after the women of men and came down and had relationships with them and the giant race was born. I want you, I want you to see a word there. Look in Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6, verse 4. There were giants in the earth in those days and also after that when the sons of God, which were fallen angels, came in unto the daughters of men and they bare children to them. And the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And God saw, God saw that the wickedness of men was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart. Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only Evil continually. Continually. It starts off with a once in a while thing, but it shifts into emotion to where it's a continued thing. It's just not enough. I mean, we're called to be destroyers and not destroyed. Verse 11 says that Noah begot three sons, and it says the earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. How many know we are seeing that even today? In verse 13, the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Now look with me at Psalms 106 real quick. I didn't realize the time was going by so fast. Psalms 106, verse 29, look at this. Psalms 106, verse 29. I want you to see this. I'll give you time to turn there. Psalms 106, verse 29. And he's talking about the days, the days of Noah, the days we just read about. Thus they provoked him to anger with their invention. See that word inventions? Look at verse 35. But were mingled among the heathen and learned their works, and they served their idols, which were a snare unto them. Yea, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters unto devils and shed innocent blood. 
even the blood of the sons and of their daughters whom they sacrificed unto the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with blood. Thus were they defiled with their own works and went a-whoring with their own inventions. How many of you know you can't even walk through a mall, or many times you can't even go through the counter of a store like Walmart or Target, and there not be wickedness before the eyes. The inventions, because of the internet that can be used for God, but yet so many, many people are trapped. In, and, and one of the things you read about books, even these motivational speakers today, even in their books, they're not even Christian, some of them, they'll say, one of the worst things for a man's image is pornography. Even these men know that if a man or a woman gets caught in pornography, it pulls their self-esteem and it sears their conscience. And listen, it's just not enough. You start looking at one thing and it just may be Sports Illustrated Bathing Suit Edition, but before you know it, sin asks for more sin and your conscience gets seared. Ask for more sin and your conscience gets seared. Ask for more sin and your conscience gets seared. And before you know it, you're deeper than you've ever wanted to be and you can't get out. That's why we want to start 08 off right. Because we can dance and jump in here and have a real good time. But the Holy Spirit is saying, I want some things cut off of my body before we go into this new year that I am giving them with a new beginning. Amen, church. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 7. And tell your neighbor, I know you're coming back next week. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 29. Do you know when a, when a pastor stands up and preaches this way, do you know that he even doesn't fear and trembling? Because some people love it. Get, I've had prophets tell me, Russell, you're going to pay a big price if you keep preaching like that. But it's the Word of God. How can you sugarcoat something that He wrote for us? And it's not just about having a good time at a party and coming and everybody just falling out and laughing, which I love that too. But I know too many people who are falling out, getting up, and live the same lifestyle. I want to see a change. I want to see the body of Christ standing in power and maturity and authority and dominion. And I'm not saying it's easy. And I'm not saying there's things all around, but I am saying even by this, these words, there are inventions that the mind has gotten so evil that there are inventions and there are things that even show in commercials on TV and there are things when you just walk through stores, there are wicked inventions made out of every type of imagination to give pleasure to the, to the flesh Sear the conscience, tear down the mind, and leave a person empty void of what life is supposed to be about. Ecclesiastes 7.29 Lo, this only have I found, that God hath made man upright. He made them right, but listen to what it says. But they have sought out many inventions. The Amplified says, desires for evil. We can get born again. A little baby's born is pure and innocent. But as he grows, the inventions of men starts clouding the mind and warping the conscience. 
We get born again and we're not filling our hearts and our souls with the Word of God. And we just take the grace of God for granted and the mercy of God for granted. It's so easy to get into areas of our life. And then all of a sudden we wake up one day and we say, well, how did my life get into this type of a disaster? The wicked inventions of men to harden the church of Christ. Anything anyone could even think of is out there and available. Any type of evil song, any type of evil movie, any type of vacation, over there in the Orient, talking to Brother McCarty, there are islands filled with baby girls 12 years old. That the businessmen of America and around the world can go on these islands and have any type of fantasy. And they're doing it whether they know it or not before the eyes of a holy God. We must repent for this nation. If my people will humble themselves. But see, the problem is, is that pride is going to let me humble my conscience before God. I got news from one of my staff this week. is someone who's left the church. Uh, they left the church in, in, in the wrong way. And they even, they, this was their wording. I left the church and immediately got breast cancer. This is wrong with me. Others, this is wrong with me. We have not cursed. We do not believe in curses. We bless them. In fact, if somebody leaves the church, I tell them. I told this military guy whose wife told him they were leaving the church. And I told him, I said, can you at least be man enough to call me and tell me if you're going to do what she says? Just be man enough to call me and tell me you're leaving the church because we've been together too long just to disappear. Well, they just disappeared. This is the hour we've got to stand up for what we know is right. And not only stand up for what we know is right, but to do what is right. Because there are all these inventions that can run away with this. Nimrod had a hating mindset spirit. His name means chaos and confusion. Look with me. We're real close. Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. This is where it gets deep. Because I've, I've talked about adultery, I've talked about pornography, and I've talked about a few things that we know are there are wrong. But look what God gets to in the seven top things that He hates and that is an abomination before Him. In Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto Him. Now, these are things that will cause the conscience to be seared. A proud look. Lord, forgive us for pride. A lying tongue. Forgive us for lying. Hands that shed innocent blood. We repent for abortion. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. 
feet that are swift in running to mischief. Then he says it again, a false witness that speaketh lies. And he that soweth discord among the brethren. All of these seven things he's talking about. I hate all sin. But is this hypocrisy that I hate and despise the most? It's the lies. It's the deceitfulness. It's the treachery. It's sowing discord. It's being among mischief. It's opening the door for uh, imaginations and all these evil things. I want it out. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all the things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Verse 10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart and I try the reins even to give every man, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doing. Psalms 19, 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the whole person. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Amen. Lord, I need wisdom. I desire the spirit of wisdom to know how I'm supposed to live and operate. I don't want to live and do according to my own will, but I want to do your will, Lord. I pray for deliverance, the spirit of deliverance to be in this place today, that we can get these things fixed in our life. If there be any wicked way, lead me in the way everlasting. Cleanse me and make me new. Philippians 4.8 says, things that are honor, pure, just, lovely, good report. Think on these things. Whatever I think on, I will act on. Whatever I'm feeding on the inside will pollute me and pollute my life. Matthew 15, 18, 19, Jesus spoke about those things. Out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts. But one last scripture in Job 33, and I want to end with this. The mercy of God. The warnings of God. Job chapter 33. Job chapter 33, verse 13. Job chapter 33, verse 13. Do you love me? Half of you do. (laughs) Job chapter 33, verse 13. Why such a hard word? Because he's such a loving God. His motive is to restore, not to destroy. He tells us the things he hates to save us from the wrath to come. The Ten Commandments, the Word of God, is not to make us feel like we're so unworthy and holy. It's to change us so that we can become pure and holy. And look what it says in Job 33, verse 13. I'll read in the NIV. Why do you complain to Him that He answers none of man's words? For God does speak, now one way, now another, though man may not perceive it. We are going to pray. That our hearts and our spirits are going to come so conscious to God that if there is something that I am doing wrong, that I'm going to become sensitive enough to where I will be able to perceive it from now on in the name of Jesus. Amen, church. There's some area in my life I desire to be able to perceive if I'm wrong in that area. And if I perceive it, it's to change it. Verse 15. Listen how merciful God is. You say, I don't know his voice, but look what he says. In a dream, in a vision of the night. 
when deep sleep falls on men as they slumber in their beds, he may speak in their ears and terrify them with warnings. There's people in this building this morning that we have had dreams of warnings. Don't go there. Don't do that. Don't marry that person. Don't go into business with that person. God's given us dreams and warnings. And how many times have we not heeded that? Oh, that was just a piece. I don't need to worry about that. Let me tell you something. If you've been having dreams, if you've been having dreams and and, and you have different things appearing in these dreams, God may be in your sleep trying to warn you because He can't speak to you when you're awake. So in His mercy, He's trying to warn you in your sleep. You're heading down the path of death says in verse 17, to turn man from wrongdoing, to turn man from wrongdoing and keep him from pride, to preserve his soul from the pit, to preserve his soul from the pit. He doesn't want anyone to die or perish. He says, I'm giving you my word. I'm giving you my warning to keep man from going to the pit. His life from perishing by the sword. Or a man may be chastened on a bed of pain. With constant distress in his bones. Lord, what am I going through? Are you getting my attention? Is there somebody I gotta forgive? Is there something I've got to fix? Verse 20 says, So that his very being finds food repulsive, and his soul loathes the choicest meal. His flesh wastes away to nothing, and his bones, once hidden, now stick out. His soul draws near to the pit, and his life to the messengers of death. Yet, if there is an angel on his side as a mediator, how many know that's Jesus? One out of a thousand to tell him that what is right for him to be gracious to him and say, spare him from going. And that we will humble ourselves before him. And if there's something that's not right in my life, I've got to get it right today. Just leave pride and break its hold and grasp on you. Don't worry what people think. You won't stand before people at the judgment seat of Christ. You'll stand before God. Don't worry about people today. Don't worry about your family and your friends. Don't worry what people will think. Just keep your eyes closed. Just be praying and come to these altars and start getting your life right with God today. Come and kneel at these altars. Intercessors come, prayer warriors come and stand with these people. Stand with them.